0: And I think anybody who feels like they're in their 30s or 40s and feels like, oh, I'm not, I'm not hitting, you know, the peak, and I'm not following the bell curve. Well, I think the bell curve is
1: rubbish. My guest today is Adele Coffey, journalist, broadcaster and award winning author. Having spurred a multi publisher auction with her debut novel, Breaking Point, Adele went on to win an Irish book award and become an Irish Times bestseller. Her passion for storytelling and her ability to connect with her audience has made her favorite amongst readers she's also a regular contributor to radio programs and her voice has become synonymous with insightful commentary and analysis on culture arts and literature breaking point tells the story of susanna a frighteningly successful doctor with a husband and two young children one morning she leaves her youngest in the car only realizing when it's too late from this harrowing beginning unfolds a grueling court case where susanna is tried for negligence in the courtroom and for daring to try to have it all in the media. It is a modern witch hunt. It's a rumination on what it means to be a successful woman with children in the world today. I'm delighted to welcome Adele Coffey. Adele Coffey, thank you so much for joining me today in The Number. Delighted to have you.
0: Hi Darren, I'm so glad to be here with you.
1: Now listen, as a novelist, you're a newcomer, but obviously we go back a long, long time. I was thinking about it today, like... I was going to say over a decade, but it's it's fast approaching two decades. I'm Sorry, scared.
0: No, no. Let's stick with over a decade. Like we're I think so it's so
1: young. <laughs> Fifteen years now,
0: if not more. Um, I think it might be close to twenty. You were working as a um, press officer, I think, for the French Tourist Board, and I was a young journalist, and we met on a fateful trip of the wine region of uh, Carcassonne down yeah. around the Languedoc-Roussillon region and we went from Carcassonne right up to Montpellier where we danced our backsides off in a nightclub and we were friends forever after that trip weren't we? That's
1: where friendship blossomed I remember that <laughs> night that nightclub. but you know the thing that really struck me about that night and I you know to, to watch your journey over the past 15 years has been incredible. I remember on one of those many glasses of wine you telling me that your your dream was to be a novelist.
0: That's so mad because I don't remember that at all. And I'm very embarrassed for my younger self that I was actually blabbing to people about that dream. Like, I'm going to be a novelist.
1: No, you weren't. You were saying, I'd love to be a novelist. You were like, it's what my dream is. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't know if I have a book in me, but that's what I would love to do. And now look at you. And I've said this to you before. like Before we get into your numbers, I'm just interested to ask you this. Obviously, there are going to be lots of people listening who feel they have a book in them and they'd like to start on a journey of writing a novel. What did the experience teach you?
0: Oh my God. Like if you feel you have a novel in you and if you want to get that novel out of you, just do it. I know that's a really unhelpful advice, but seriously, um, if, if you can, if you're the kind of person who can write a plan, if you can write an outline, write the outline, give yourself a little guide Do not wait. And I've I've said this so many times, but do not wait until you have like four hours in a row of solitude and silence and, you know, blissful, uninterrupted time with some incense burning and, you know, a nice little view out your picture window. I wrote most of my book in my car, like I sit outside my kid's school for half an hour because parking's really bad and you'd have to go early to get a, a place and i would open my laptop and i would write for half an hour and you know some days you'd get so much written and you think you're not going to get anything written in half an hour but you definitely won't get anything written if you open twitter and start scrolling so well you know fix, what, you, what you can do for 15 minutes
1: you did uh you said to me a while ago that that 15 minute thing and you can apply it to any aspect of your life and actually cleaning.
0: I applied to cleaning because I hate cleaning so much.
1: Well, I've not been applying it to cleaning. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I've been applying it to like, again, doing things or reading things, yeah. doing things that I, that I procrastinate about. And I set my alarm said for, for 15 minutes. minutes, and inevitably you'll continue for another 15 minutes. So it's a nice little it's a nice little hack. Um, Actually, I, do- I was
0: reminded of it recently, Darren. Sorry to interrupt, but there's I don't know if you're watching that program, Shrinking. About it's got Harrison Ford and Jason Segel in it about the like, psych psychologist. Is it good? There's, it's fantastic so far, but there's a scene in it where um, the Harrison Ford character is talking about grieving. And he says, like, the best way to grieve is to just set your alarm for 15 minutes and just like cry really intensely to a really sad song. And I was just thinking, oh, that's my 15 minute method, my Pomodoro method.
1: <laughs> right, Adele, let's let's crunch the numbers. So first off, tell me, please, what's a meaningful number for you and your family life?
0: Number 12. I have one sibling but my mum had 11 siblings so there were six boys and six girls in her family. I don't know how they did that but they managed to get it nice and even and I think that was a really meaningful number in terms of the influence on me and my childhood. So my mom grew up not very far from where I grew up. So she was born and raised in Deans Grange in County Dublin. And we were raised in Ballybrack, which is a few kilometers away. And a lot of my aunts stayed in the locality and they all had like four or five children. And we spent most of our weeks just visiting them and hanging out in their houses and playing with my cousins who I'm still really close to now and I'm still really close to my aunts as well I feel like they're kind of second mothers in a way and yeah I just think it was a really fun childhood because we all sort of were allowed to run wild because we were together in a gang it was like well they're they're safe so they can go out and play and we just go out and play
1: and that sense of freedom and that kind of nostalgia for your youth do you think that you know Has that informed your own kind of style of parenthood? And do you think that your kids and kids growing up in this day and age still have that? I mean, I know it's a very subjective question to answer. But, you know, Oh, it's
0: it's so funny because I like there is no sense of freedom with my children. I am like (laughs) the biggest helicopter mother there ever was. I'm just like, no, where are you going? Where are you? Are you in the house? (laughs) Which room are you in? Like, God love them. They will all be rebelling so much, I'm sure.
1: What's the number that changed everything for you in your career?
0: Um, I had to think hard about this one too. And for me, it it actually is the 1000 words a day um, because I started doing that. And that's the thing that kind of got me on track to writing my novel. Um, It was the NaNoWriMo rhymo thing which stands for a national novel writing month I think I, I could be wrong but that's what I'm saying um it's basically this sort of online thing where people I thought
1: NaNoWriMo was a person or something
0: NaNo, <laughs> okay. NaNo like Nano Nagle, Darren
1: <laughs> yeah I didn't know what it was okay so it was to help you NaNoWriMo
0: like she's so sound um <laughs> but yeah so so it's like this this hashtag essentially where people decide they're going to write every day for the month of November and try to get a first draft at the end of it so I decided okay I'm going to try this thing because I'm so frustrated with my absolute uh, lack of progress on this lifelong goal of mine that I need to take action do something so I thought okay I'll try this and actually it was a real revelation like now I didn't do any of the sort of engagement stuff like I didn't sign up online and I didn't make friends with anybody and I didn't speak to anybody I just went and wrote a thousand words every day and some days I wrote three thousand words because you'd keep going you know some days you'd write you'd be you know squeezing out those thousand words but what it really highlighted to me was how actually how helpful it was to write every day because it kept you in the headspace of the story it kept you it kept the story alive in your head if even if you only wrote for like 20 minutes you know you'd be thinking about it in quiet moments of the day like washing the dishes you'd be sort of thinking about the characters or you know
1: pff, driving <laughs> well not and only did you write a book your your book and again i don't know this world but like from again the research that i did it's like it spurred like a multi-publisher um, scramble to to sign you, right? Like people were, it, this isn't just, no, no, no. And, I, and <laughs> you, feet, I can see you now looking very uncomfortable. Squirming. I'm like, to that, take
0: off my jacket because yeah, I'm starting to sweat.
1: <laughs> but that's, that's like, that doesn't happen every day, I'm assuming.
0: Okay, so I have to say in my defense, it was a very, very weird time because I I approached an agent in January 2020, which is my agent, Marianne Gunn O'Connor, with my sort of first draft, early draft of the book. And we met in January and she suggested she would represent me. And then in March 2020, um, lockdown happened. And then, like a, literally a week later, my mum died. That's and cool. And then like a few months later, we saw the book and it was all like, yay. And so I was just, there was too many mad things happening. So I think I literally just said, okay, I'm not going to feel anything right now. And we'll just put this emotion business on hold for a while until I feel capable of dealing with any of it, until we know where we are with the pandemic. Because that was just causing so much anxiety for everyone, obviously. And I I definitely felt like, this is weird I don't know where this is gonna end um so it was a very nerve-wracking time but yeah like I got I got like massive heebie-jeebies about it because it was like so big it was like people you know bidding for the book and then you know when they came down to actual offers as well I just I thought oh my god like it's too much I just like just felt like there was too much at stake do you know
1: to love what's your number
0: oh eventually a great success oh yes. <laughs> i i am a serial monogamist and i finally finally met the man that i wanted to marry very late in the day actually and it was shortly after i had um, sort of blown up my life in that like when i was 36 i i was in a long term relationship with a lovely lovely man and um just knew that it was not right for either of us and so we called it quits and in a sort of you know it was kind of like okay so you're now you're making a decision that you're probably not going to get married and you're probably not going to have kids and I was actually fine with that I was thinking
1: and you, you were know, 36 at the time
0: at 36 yeah. so it was I just mean, last year
1: yeah I mean there's I think that that was probably I can understand why you think that way but you still well it's
0: it's that age have, for a woman like you know you, if you read the daily mail like I, I my eggs were shriveled up already by that point you know so 100%. I <laughs> I was I was definitely just well I think I had to make my peace with that because you know the chances were that I I might not meet somebody else and I you know I might not um ever meet someone else and I had to sort of be fine with with that option you know and and I was and I suppose they say if you want to make uh God laugh tell him your plans so I suppose yeah. my plans were that I was never getting married and I was never having kids and very quickly I met my husband who was the man who would become my husband who has um who had two little boys who are now 12 and 11 and And then we quickly had our two daughters who are now six and seven. So, yeah, and then we, we got married and we. I moved across the country to Galway, which I never thought I would leave my beloved Dublin, but I did for him.
1: I'm getting shivers, <laughs> I'm getting shivers, Adele. It's, oh. it's actually, yeah, it's 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 very powerful. And I think that story will give a lot of people...
0: Hope. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because, you know, at the time as well, I know that my dad was very worried about me because he was thinking, oh, no, like, you know, he's old fashioned in that way. He was thinking, well, what's going to happen to her? I know that he rang my brother and said to my brother, What's going to happen to Etel? And I was like, well, Etel is a self-sufficient, independent woman with a career and a salary. And so I'd say nothing's going to happen to her. She's going to be absolutely fine. You know, I could never have imagined that that would be m- the past that my life took, Darren. I really, I actually remember very seriously looking at other people's Instagram feeds and seeing friends that I went to college with or to school with, even, and seeing them with, you know, the way people put their pictures of their kids on Instagram. And I was just like, oh, like they've got three kids. I was like, biologically, it's practically impossible that I will ever have three kids. Like, I just won't. I won't even have one. And then like suddenly I had two stepchildren and then quickly after that I had a third child and a fourth and now we've got three cats <laughs> and it just keeps yeah. going.
1: <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I mean, going from naught to a hundred in, in a very quick space of time. I and know I, you know, you've you've mentioned age a couple of times through this and obviously age is something that we're all aware of and as we hmm. age we become more aware of it um what I ages, thought you're gonna say
0: we become more beautiful but yes we do become more we aware we do of
1: it. internally <laughs> and no, <I'm> joking. Eternally. <laughs> what ages in particular were significant for you and, and why
0: 30s were kind of gnarly actually looking back at the time if you had asked me you know was I happy was I achieving was I ticking boxes I would have told you yes But now. I was in a crisis, actually, in a real existential crisis uh, because I I I was struggling with settling down and with um, the idea of settling down and the idea of making choices that were lasting choices and career. I was like, you know, where is my career going? Am I am I in the right place? Um, Am I progressing enough? Because, you know, in your 30s as well, you feel like you should be sort of hitting your peak when actually many of us only begin when we're 40 and 40 was a huge age for me, even though subconsciously it it was subconscious because when I turned 30, I didn't really care when I turned 40. I didn't care on that level of, Oh, I'm getting old. And I think that's because I feel very lucky in my life. I feel like, you know, I I've been very lucky. I've had lots of nice times. I've met lots of nice people. I have a beautiful husband and family. So I don't feel like, oh, no, I'm getting old. Um, But I definitely, definitely think turning 40 switched something in my head, which was you might never write the book that you have believed you would write for so long. Um, You know, I had two little babies. They were like one and two or two and three. And um, two kids who were like, Six and seven or seven and eight. I cannot do the maths. I'm so sorry, but like they were all
1: within a six year age range. You a lot going on.
0: A lot going I- on. And, and I felt kind of frightened that actually you're 40 now. You've got all these little children to look after and life's very busy. How, when are you going to write the book? And I thought, okay, I, I'm just going to write the book any chance I get. And I really think that gave me the drive and the sort of the fear, because I think fear is a brilliant motivator. Actually, if mm-hmm. you feel like something's about to be taken away from you, suddenly you'll want to fight for it. And I think that's what happened with me when I turned 40, um, whether I knew think, it or not at the time.
1: Do you think you mentioned there earlier on that like thirties is all about achieving and reaching the pinnacle of your career and whatnot. Do you think that's a myth? Do you think, that yes, a myth? of
0: course it is. But like, it's, it's very hard to know that when you're in your thirties and not reaching your pinnacle, you're, you're, you're feeling like a failure. And, but actually what I know now is that like, if we're lucky, I've got another 40 years in me you know with a bit of luck uh, maybe more and you know when my kids get older I feel like I'm gonna have like what the Japanese called call a second spring because I feel like I'm gonna have all this time and I believe all this new energy to to do things that I've had on the long finger and to achieve you know, long held goals that I haven't achieved yet. So I'm kind of excited about the future. And I think anybody who feels like they're in their thirties or forties and feels like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not hitting, you know, the peak. and I'm not following the bell curve. Well, I think the bell curve is rubbish. Like, and the more, the more I hear people talk and the more I read interviews and, you know, realize people who are starting in their forties and their fifties and their sixties and retirement, Mm-hmm. starting to achieve their dreams like
1: it's never it's, too late it's you I?
0: who stands in your way it's your own I really believe it's it's you're the only person who says you can't
1: mm-hmm. Adele on your personal journey is there a number that you wish you could forget
0: oh yeah um, oh god like the, again this was a very hard question to answer I just um, I think the one that came to mind was the list, the numbered list that I made the weekend that I found out that my mom had been diagnosed with pretty much Alzheimer's, you know, it was like she is, her her condition was most indicative of Alzheimer's and that's what it turned out to be. She was 58, um, so I was like 31, I think. Again, math's very difficult, but anyway, um, yeah, so she she was young and we knew that she was getting sick. And, you know, the news was just the worst news ever. And I remember just that weekend, just sort of like locking myself in my apartment and sitting down and just being so very sad and just feeling that life was very empty and hollow. But, you know, the thing about grief as well is that it's it constantly changes. And we had many more years with her that were actually quite, you know, that Alzheimer's is horrible I'm not going to say that it's it's pleasant but we had many more years where we still had her like with us and she was still able to do things and she was able to partake and you know even when she was very very ill I was able to go and see her and hold her hand in the way that lots of people who've lost their parents couldn't do you know and even though she wasn't there you know her sort of her personality or her cognitive function wasn't there but you know Her hand was there, the hand that had held mine as a kid was there. And so, so, you know, things did get better. I think actually looking back, I think that was the very worst time. That diagnosis period was the worst time for me. And I think that's, it was, it was like a death. It was like, it was like a death.
1: I mean, motherhood is a really strong theme with you, obviously, you know, from, yeah. I'm going through the thoughts of um, making peace with the fact that you didn't think you might become a mother to becoming a mm. mother of four very quickly to losing your mother. And obviously it's a it's a huge theme of like a working mother in your book, Breaking Point. Mm. Is there is I mean, is that something you intentionally drew on?
0: One hundred percent, particularly my own experience of being a new mother. I was um, I was shocked, Darren, so shocked by the experience of motherhood because it's so it's so different to what you're expecting and people just tell you things and you hear the things they're telling you but you can't quite understand them or you you don't believe them or they say things like oh yeah you'll be tired but like that's not the same as being so unbelievably tired that you've entered another dimension i was so scared of you know of messing up because i felt so frayed and i felt so completely scattered and obviously the sleep deprivation means your brain is not working properly but you have so many things to do as well like with four children like even just make like by nine o'clock in the morning you've run a marathon like and you Oh, I like the. I did crazy things. Like I remember coming home, and I had bought myself a coffee because obviously you need coffee. But I had put the coffee on the roof of my car, and oh. I'm such a careful granny driver that when I got home, the coffee was still perfectly set <laughs> <standing Absolutely. up. laughs> and I was so pleased about it because obviously I needed that coffee. But, well, um, but
1: insulation, yeah. I have left coffee on the roof of the car, <laughs> and you. I do not have a baby. <laughs> um what's the number that changed everything in your life
0: the number that changed everything in my life was my phone number because um when I met my husband and he asked me for my phone number I was not sure whether to give it to him or not oh (laughs) not not because you know anything to do with him it was more to do with me I was just thinking oh you know I'm I think I was so hung up on my kind of I've just come out of a long term relationship and I am very, um, you know, I'm very unsure and I'm committed to the fact that I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. (laughs) But then I was thinking, okay, sure, like give me your phone number. Why? What's the worst that could happen? You know, yeah, why not? And I'm so glad that I did (laughs) because um, he did call and he did text very regularly and you know like like i said to you earlier on it led it's led to a big adventure and um i will never not be grateful for meeting him and for the fact that he has you know given me this whole new whole new life and experiences of being a mother and a wife which actually is um is lovely you know and i never like Again, I'd like to put in the sort of disclaimer that I really think it's something I also thought when I had children. I think that, you know, it's very important to be aware that you can have a really satisfying, really lovely life by yourself. And you do not need to be anybody's girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, whatever, mother, father. You know, I think if you have friends you have a fantastic life
1: Uh, tell me what's a number that you check regularly
0: um again i had to struggle with this one and i finally came up with sudoku because i do it every day and i absolutely never
1: played sudoku okay we're going to move on to some quick fire questions adele how much is in your wallet right now
0: 25 euros and i know this because i checked today what's your favorite time of day This is a really evil answer. I'm so sorry. But as I've said, my life is very populous and my favorite time of day is any time where I am alone. (laughs) So like I love in the summer months, I love like a 5 a.m. wake up and just go downstairs and sit in my little room and open the blinds and have a little knows at what's going on outside. I'm like a cat. I like to sit in the window and just look at the things going by. Uh, Birdies flying, all that kind of stuff.
1: What's your favourite number?
0: Favourite number, joint first place for number five because I love Coco Chanel and her magic five. And number seven because my mother that was her lucky number so I've taken that as my lucky number now too so they're my two favourite numbers.
1: I love that. How many coffees do you have a day? And what's your coffee order?
0: 137. And my I, coffee I, order is uh, triple espresso. Are
1: you serious? <laughs> no, I'm not serious. Oh.
0: So I have between uh two and four coffees a day. And I try to keep it down to maximum three, but like some days you just need the fourth, you know. Um but I, do. I yes you do and I just I try I I stick to Americanos mainly try to stick to Americanos because I feel like all that milk is just like giving me calories that I could be getting out of crisps so Mm -hmm. I try to stick to the Americano
1: what does the world world?
0: oh like this is so straightforward we just need to lower the temperature a little bit oh bring that number down
1: very clever Oh, I like what you did there. Bring that number down. Um,
0: uh, think about the numbers, Darren. Yeah,
1: you're, I, I appreciate <laughs> how much time and effort you've given these questions. I really do. Um, this is kind of a, an existential one. It's kind of a difficult one. But like off the top of your head, what what age do you think you'll live to?
0: Oh, yeah, this is like this is a real trigger question for me because. Um, Sorry? No, 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 not in that. way. I don't mean like you've triggered me. I mean, it's just like it's one of those questions that I just go. Um, I I really hope that I live for as long as I can live happily. Do you know, I, I want to live, I want to be well and I want to, you know, the way I look at it is if I have my brain in a jar and it's functioning, I'm happy to be alive. Um, If I don't have my mind, I feel like there's no point for me personally, For very personal. But I think because my mother died when she was 68, I, I feel like I'm going to die when I'm 68. And it's a really common thing. Lots of people think they're going to die at the age their parents died. And obviously it's completely irrational. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that I'm still alive when I'm 100 and I'm writing novels and I'm being absolutely, completely belligerent and doing whatever I want and eating bags of Haribo, which I love to do. It's my favourite thing to do.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, that seems like a great note to end this uh, chat on, Adele. Thank you. So much. Adele's coffee. Adele's Uh, coffee
0: coming right up. Double shot. (laughs) Double
1: shot of Adele. That's the next book. Um, Adele, obviously, your debut novel, Breaking Point, has just been, you know, blazing a trail. People can get their hands on it. And that lovely pink cover, which I love. Uh, that's the that's the paperback Paperback. so it's available everywhere anywhere you get your books you can get it i really recommend it. it's a an amazing story it's one of those it's a book that when you read it you just see a netflix series that's all i'm gonna say it's just it keeps you there and like and i don't have the patience for most things being totally (laughs) honest Uh, i didn't even need my 15 second rule on this on the (laughs) dell it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for taking your your busy life four kids a husband and three cats
0: (laughs) it's my pleasure
1: (laughs) (laughs) i thoroughly enjoyed that chat with adele she's an absolute dream and to see her journey how far she's come and i'm just so excited to see what's next i know she's working on a new book as we speak and i suspect some very big things are coming down the line. So watch this space. You can keep up with Adele at Adele Coffee on Instagram. Now, if you loved this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review and star rating. It really does help the podcast grow and for other people to find us. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of the number straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button now. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care and thank you for listening.